Hey everybody, this is Crypto Rich working with you to get rich with crypto, filling our pockets with crypto profits. You are looking at a map of Australasia during the latter part of December and all of January. I shall be with my family traveling this part of the world, visiting friends. During this period, as well as posting the occasional fresh video, I will also be posting, reposting videos that I have uh, posted previously, videos that I find use that I think viewers will find useful, videos that I'm proud of, videos that have a lot of views, and videos that will be new to the new subscribers. Thank you so much for all the support you've given to the channel in 2017, and I hope you enjoy the following video, which has been reposted from uh, from earlier in 2017. Thank you. Hi everyone, this is Crypto Rich working with you to get rich with crypto. This is the third part of my four-part interview with. Reggie Middleton. This took place in the Veritasium offices in August 2017. Uh, please note, I am not a financial advisor. Please do your own due diligence. Do not invest any more than you are willing to lose. Please like, subscribe, comment. Thank you. Ask questions in the uh, below the video. There are affiliate links in the description below. And please donate Bitcoin to Run to Rescue to support their work in rescuing victims of human trafficking. Disclaimer, by purchasing Verita Veritasium, the purchaser represents and warrants that purchaser is not exchanging Bitcoin or Ether for, Verita for Veritas tokens for the purpose of speculative investment. The purchaser represents and warrants that the purchaser is acquiring Veritas for the use of decentralized application services or the purchase of software tokens specific to forthcoming decentralized applications on the Veritasium platform or to facilitate development, testing, deployment and operation of decentralized applications on the Veritasium platform. Okay, now I want to go back to the Jamaica Stock Exchange. Right? Okay. So let's say it all goes ahead with Jamaica Stock Exchange and mm -hmm. you're going to, you're going to, if it all goes to plan, it'll be announced what, end of August, September? Um, it'll be announced when we're ready to announce it basically. So, okay, whenever um, you announce yeah. it. No, because I understand there are glitches and setbacks yeah. and things don't work out, yeah. right? The, the, so, the, the software offering is not simple. Okay? Sure. And so, uh, and there are a lot of moving parts to it. And then that's just the software, which is by far probably the smallest of all the moving parts. You got regulatory, you have the actual business, the financial, you have legal, um, you have strategic, you have sitting down with the right people, you have the supply of the assets going in, which many people in Aqualand probably don't even understand because it's very different from typical ICOs. Um, this digital asset exchange will change digital assets, not just Ethereum, Bitcoin, or Litecoin, or Veritasium. It's going to trade buildings and companies and uh, people's privacy. Excuse me, Reggie, for yes. interrupting. And given that it's on a blockchain, mm -hmm. am I right in thinking it's not bounded by international boundaries? So you could have people, I don't know, businesses in Shanghai or something, or in Germany, using the Veritasium platform through the Jamaican Stock Exchange to, to conduct value transactions? Technically, yes. In realistic reality, it really depends upon German, Japanese, and Jamaican regulatory authorities and what they wish to allow and what they don't want to allow. Right. So there are a lot of moving parts. It's not that simple. If it's just a matter of software, then you know I can tell you approximately when. And even yeah. then, I can only tell you approximately. People ask me, when will the software be done? And people who are in software development know better than <laughs> to answer that question like that. <laughs> it's always been done, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. But the ask when it would be done is very is pretty much akin to say, when will this law pass? You know, yeah. when will this legislation legislation um, be enacted? 
<laughs> Can anybody give a date on legislation being enacted X days in the future? Virtually impossible. That's and right. And that's assuming everybody's in favor of it. Even then, it's impossible. God forbid you have reality where detractors, proponents, opponents, etc. And I think there's a bit of I think there's a difference say between having a, a law being passed because once it's passed, that's it. Mm-hmm. It takes a lot of work to then amend it. Right. Versus say software, which is continually being developed. Like Facebook will keep updating their platform. Right. And change, so it's never it's never finished. They're right. always tweaking it, right? Yeah. Which I imagine will be the case with Veritasium. We're like, okay, we found we'll tweak this a little. We're looking to do a soft launch somewhere towards the end of September, mm-hmm. like the very end, like September thirtieth. Quite possibly, but not guaranteed. Pushed off into October. Um, you know, there's things being worked on right now. Um, deals being cut, being made. Who's gonna buy this? Who's gonna pay for that? Etc. Has nothing to do with Jamaica stock chain. This is all on us, by the way. But there are a lot of moving parts. Sure. Um, and when I get close enough to the point, or when I can say yes um, to things where there's no negative repercussion for going public, I will do so. We're not there quite yet. Um, possibly in a week and a half, two weeks, I'll have something to announce. But you know, um, look towards you know somewhere around between September 30th and October 31st. Sure. At this point, you know, it was a month earlier. But uh, I'm a month behind now. <laughs> That's what happens. So. Yeah, and you know, it may get delayed. Yeah, if, if you need news every month, you know, this is not us. You know, no. you know, I'm not a news ticker. You know, we actually believe the amount of traction we put together since the uh, um, off sale was ended has been phenomenal. Hmm. And there's a lot more. It's just that until the stuff is just hated and matured and ready to go, we just can't announce it. Sure. And even sometimes we can't announce it. If you do business with a powerful or anybody and they have a lot of proprietary um, machinations and secrets um, and they rely on you you know to work on a deal and um, confidence so if you break that confidence you've burned not only your relationship with them but you probably your burned reputation. your ability to call anybody else because right. you know what you want to make guys who bought a couple of tokens happy by leaking information it's ridiculous so yeah yeah and I'm a man of my word anyways forget all the yapple babble you know, if I say something, I give you my word, I'm going to hold it. Which is why I'm not going to give you my word very often, because I then have to stick to it. So, sure. you know, I don't give promises very often. But when I do, you know, I go out of my way to make sure I keep them. Okay. Yeah. Now, there's, some, there's a question that one of the viewers asked, the statistician. And I'm going to paraphrase it. Mm-hmm. Or, or kind of convert the comment that they made. So, it all goes ahead with Jamaican Stock Exchange. What's the social good, if any, that it will provide for Jamaica and the Caribbean? Well, there's a lot. We're actually looking to work with Jamaica itself, which is a different entity from the Jamaica Stock Exchange, um, to clean up their balance sheet. Um, that will help the country a lot and to create much so less... So what, what do you mean clean up their balance sheet? Um, things that the bad loans, bad assets right. in Jamaica and pick them up and just sweep them off the balance sheet and replace it with something good. No more detail than that for right now. Can so. we connect you? By the way, this is a shout out to any of the viewers, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, if we can connect Reggie Middleton to Greece to save that poor beleaguered nation. <laughs> One of our big potential clients um, has a significant asset in Greece Great. that they're looking to sell. Um, I can't say that's going to be a direct benefit or connection to Greece, but I will... You know, any sovereign nation that wants to work for me, you know, just talk to me. You know, okay. I'm no one to fly out in a second 
to go and sit down and have a real conversation as long as it's a real one. And that can help Greece a lot. Um, Veritasium financial machines can take the place of the IMF at a much lower cost. Okay, and of course this might, you know, might not rub the IMF the right way. So, you know, you can't make friends without making enemies somewhere. And chances are you make enemies somewhere, someone's gonna like it, you might make friends. But this is not friends and enemies. We can take the place of the IMF on a distributed basis at a much lower cost with less friction. Okay, now I'm a little bit concerned. And mm-hmm. some of the viewers have raised this kind of comment, well, what about the risk to Reggie? You know, th- there is a perspective saying what happened with Libya. Mm-hmm. Muammar Gaddafi was about to uh, launch a gold-backed dinar. Mm-hmm. He was going to um, set up an African development bank so that African nations wouldn't have to go to the World Bank or IMF, right? You're not going to threaten the IMF or, or uh, provide competition to them? Well, Mr. and Mrs. IMF, if it's really that big a deal, work with me and <laughs> And now, IMF is a very tasty client. We're all happy and ready to walk on my century now. <laughs> I'll do business with anybody. So. Okay, very good. And by Veritas, because that's also a question people ask, you mean like, take the transaction from wherever it is and do it through the Veritas platform? Right. Very good. Okay. When I say it could take the place of the IMF, it does it. It's cheaper. It's more efficient. Um, the IMF can actually adopt Veritasium and, you know, use distributed loans. Um, less strain on its actual capital from centralized perspective. Realize though that the IMF may have certain goals um, that might not be totally visible to those on the outside. And so because those goals might not be totally visible, you may not know why they take XYZ action or why they don't. Um, I'm not going to go any further on that point because then it gets into sure. politics and not so much global macroeconomics. Well, well let's go back to Jamaica because I, I, I sent you off to Greece, right? <laughs> and then we visited Libya like briefly. Greece, <laughs> <laughs> okay, so so, what's the, so you said that apart from the Jamaican Stock Exchange, you're, you're in conversation with, with the Jamaican government, I imagine, right? So what's the social good that could arise out of that? Well, you... Um, there's a variety. Number one, by cleaning up the balance sheet, I think you improve the economic condition and position of the country. Um, a lot of the trading that can be done, you can have uh, consulting services, ancillary services that extend from uh, basically trading veritized office buildings and veritized medical practices or car dealerships that instead of going to a private equity venture capital market, which is not very well developed in Jamaica, can basically do a, a mini IPO and sell wow. licenses directly off to the public or to the world. So you have a, you know, a farmer who, and I've gotten a lot of interest in this in Jamaica, you could probably understand why, yeah. the uh, Ganja Growers Association, um, medical marijuana. These guys are, believe they're on the precipice of a boom. Canada is going legal June 2018, many states, in the U.S., not U.S. in general, but many states in the U.S. are going legal in Washington, etc. Um, and both recreational use and medical use, clinical use. Um, these guys feel that they're on the precipice of a boom. Um, they're not the largest growers of weed or cannabis in the world, despite popular opinion, um, because Jamaica is but so big. Mexico might be the, one of the largest, but they have the strongest brand recognition. Mm. And I wouldn't know from experience, of course. Of course. But potentially the strongest actually, too. 
<laughs> potentially, but who knows? I wouldn't know, right? Um, and so they've approached to me to veritize their businesses to uh, gain access to capital um, and create a bridge until June of next year for Canada and whichever you know dates that the various positions, um, state and federal territories, make it legal for both recreational and or medical. Okay. Um, this is strong subsection of Jamaica, and these guys are working class guys. Yeah. You know? so, so let me get this right. So, so what you're saying is that the Cannabis Growers Association or any group in in Jamaica, Ga- Ganja Growers, Ganja, Ganja Growers. I'm yeah. sorry. Right. They could use the Veritasium platform to raise funds in order to develop their business mm-hmm. with the increasing export market in the U.S., Canada, elsewhere. It's completely legal in Portugal, by the way, as well. Mm-hmm. Right. And they got brand recognition, and they they may possibly be growing the strongest weed <laughs> in the world. We don't know. Yeah, right? According to you know and my advisors, <laughs> <laughs> who may or may not have personal experience, right? yeah. done some product testing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, and, but, and then in in that instance, people from all over the world could then get a could then participate participate in that right. IPO. Contingent upon regulatory restraints, blah, blah, of blah, course. Blah, blah, blah. That's extraordinary. Yeah. The, see, I don't, certainly from my background as a social worker, I know I don't get veritasium. Mm-hmm. Right? You know, there are people who post questions and comments, and I'm like, ah, oh, now I understand something yeah. else about it, right? Yeah. But there is something else about this that it isn't like any other cryptocurrency asset. Mm-hmm. It just isn't, as far as I can gather. Yeah. And then I think that the, I'm going to just going to talk a little, right? I think the challenge that you have is how we are as human beings is we're always making comparisons to something else. Mm-hmm. You know, I see you, right? And, and then I compare you to other, to whatever images I've got about African-Americans and forgive me, mostly from the media and not always good, right? They're just automatically <laughs> the there, right? Does, yeah. yeah. And then people come along and they see Veritasium and they compare it to what they know from the past, which is Bitcoin, Ethereum and Monero and whatever it is, right? And wait a minute, it isn't like that. Right. No. So the message to all the viewers here, Veritasium isn't like anything else. And that's the challenge that any disruptive technology or newcomer or model has when it arrives in in the prevailing paradigm people keep comparing it to the old paradigm and it isn't like anything else like Muhammad Ali wasn't like anything anyone else before him and Elvis wasn't like anyone else before him or Bruce Lee or Bruce Lee and now we have Reggie Middleton Good-looking combination of the three. Right? That's right. That's right. I have to get in Elvis, uh, Reggie Middleton as Elvis of the Ethereum smart contract, or the Muhammad Ali of the blockchain. <laughs> okay, let's go back to the questions, and then that that comes back into um, the whole thing about being a contrarian, mm-hmm. right? Now, I think contrarians are revolutionary. Mm-hmm. You know, Galileo was a contrarian. Mm-hmm. You know, the earth goes around the sun and right. he got a lot of opprobrium and hostility for that, right? So there are there are benefits and advantages to being contrarian and there are also disadvantages, right? But before that, actually, where, where does your contrarianism come from? How come? Uh, I like to study history, financial history. And my middle son likes to do it as well. I have three children yeah. and the middle one likes to study financial history. 
and um, that's also something I do. Um, like my three children, like subsets of me, there's literally one third, one third, one third. Um, and in studying financial history, you get to learn a lot of lessons. Like you learn that, like I told you, naming Messiah, who's my son that works with me. Um, uh, his name occurs in all different parts of the world and all different, you know, cultures, almost exactly the same. And that goes to show you that there were very few truly original things. Um, yeah. The world operates in patterns that we cycle and repeat with slight differences but very strong similarities. And basically, you can template one cycle, memorize it, learn it, and then you can easily gauge other cycles. So what's going to happen is already known. So the variable is when it's going to happen and all how. But the what is already answered from the first set of cycles. And um, I've learned by studying history that the crowd is always wrong. Always. Except for at the top of a certain cycle. Okay? And at the absolute bottom of a certain cycle. Or right before, I'm sorry, the apex and the, um, the zenith. The top and the bottom. Mm. And the time when they're right is when they're really wrong, but it takes time for the truth to catch up to them and topple it over. And so that's how you get wealthy people, strong concentrations of wealth, because those strong concentrations of wealth take advantage of the mass, the white polloi, the majority being wrong. And when they're wrong, the large amounts of wealth are sloughed off and given to that very small minority who oppose them. Uh, an example, pick any bubble, boom, and bust situation. Real estate, you could take, pick cryptos. Um, Bitcoin um, started out at less than a penny in terms of price as a proof of concept. And people didn't take it seriously. A lot of people had tens of thousands of Bitcoins on their machine. They lost their hard drives, etc. And I've heard stories of people going to garbage dumps yeah, and I digging through the garbage dump, looking for the hard drive with 100,000 Bitcoin on it. And that's when Bitcoin was selling for like $80 a coin. I'm like, wow, I had 100,000 100, Bitcoins in here. Now at $4,000, 4,400, you know, 100,000 Bitcoins. Decent, <laughs> decent <laughs> change, right? That's you know, I'd be in a garbage dump myself. It's been a decent amount of time. They shoved it away. But when they purchased that, the early, the early guys, which are the minority, the vast minority, the contrarians, the ones who were opposed to the majority who thinks it's just a silly nerds game, um, were enriched, picking up Bitcoin at 5, 10, 20 cents a coin. Fast forward to when it went up to $800 a coin, they were enriched. Those are the Bitcoin millionaires. Um, as Bitcoin started going up in price a lot, the media catches on. When the media catches on, um, they make stories, and a lot of stories are outlandish. But regardless, it draws attention. Mm. One of the stories, of course, is Bitcoin's meteoric rise in price. So from 20 cents to 100 to 200, you have a significant rise in price. People jump in and buy it, you know, 80. They get enriched from 80 to uh, 160. Another article is done. More people jump in from 160 to 200. More people, 300, 400, 500. Now you have a mass crowd coming at about $1,000 a coin. A mass crowd, everybody buying in. Okay? When they buy in, you'll see some people not purchase more. Some people may even sell. If you take a look at the Bitcoin chart, right when you got to about 1100, about 2014, is when you had media 
mass peak media attention, then you had to drop. Right? Most of those people bought in at about $1,100 a coin. And so that drop lost the vast majority of people money, despite the fact that you know, most of the money was made in the very beginning. So the amount of people coming in is usually at peaks and valleys. Okay? When it dropped, everybody starts selling. And they sell and go all the way down. Most people sell the most right about the bottom because the majority is almost always wrong. So at about 290, 280, where a lot of people were selling, um, which was sometime last year, you had a lot of people selling. What should you have been doing? I did. Buying. I bought some. Okay, so you're buying at 240, 260, 280. Less than a calendar year later, you have 4,400. Yeah. Significant gain. But everybody was selling at the time. The majority is always wrong. So in studying financial history, you learn that since the majority is wrong, the best place to be is in direct contravention to the majority. Contravention sounds a whole lot like contrarian, and that's where we are. Now, a lot of people call others contrarians because they just are the opposite of everybody else. You don't scream doom and gloom during bull markets. You're not a contrarian, you're just being negative. Mm -hmm. A contrarian takes a look at something and sees where the crowd is amassing towards the fundamental misdirection of value. And then you want to take the other side to catch that, okay? There's some, I wouldn't call it timing, but some recognition of the economic and business cycle that's necessary to benefit from that. And hopefully that's where I stand. So that's why I'm a contrarian. It's a very long-winded way of saying <laughs> what I just said in about four words. <laughs> but I try to get some background no, into it. It's good, it's yeah. good. I'm learning a lot. There's, there's value in being informed by history because you have human beings repeating patterns doing what human beings do. Yes. Okay.